Dun 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 Oh, that's America. I just realized that's America. I thought that was the England one. What's the England one? God save our gracious queen. Something and the the God save our queen. Is that it? There's more bits in there, isn't there? There's a whole mess of there's a whole mess of other bits in between that. The, and that was only three. Surely it's an it's an old song. They all love their fours, didn't they? Anyway, what's up? This is Aiden Jones. You listen to Sitting Under a Tree, <laughs> singing some songs. Uh, what's the date today? The fucking Tuesday, the seventeenth of September, two thousand and nineteen. I am in my hotel room in Belfast. How fucking underrated. Under I don't know. People, no one ever gives hotel rooms the love that I think is warranted them. Like, I mean, I feel like everyone who regularly stays in hotel rooms is like sick of hotel rooms, isn't it? So people are all, that's almost like a, like a, um, that's a move, isn't it? Like a show of, of, Oh, look how fucking well I'm doing. I'm sick of hotel rooms. It's like people went, like walking around the airport with their travel pillow wrapped around their neck. Like, oh, just another day at the office. <laughs> you're like, all right, man, fucking cool. We get it. You fly all the time because you've got a lot going on. Fucking good for you. I love a hotel room. I'm absolutely not. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll get to the point in my career where I'm financially successful but emotionally <laughs> jaded enough. <laughs> to to be like sick of hotel rooms you know i always think about that bill hicks bit when he's like uh the 16 years living out of hotel rooms blah 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 blah, blah. it's just like a throwaway line in his in his long all of his gripes that he has with the comedy business and one of them is living out of hotel rooms i don't know i fucking love a hotel room man this year this tour this tour still feels weird to call it a tour this year traveling through Europe and Asia is the first time that I've more like regularly been staying in hotel rooms and boy every time it pops up a rare treat to be honest um but yeah just like it's an it's not it's like it's clean you walk in it's all nice you're like oh I'm not look I'm wearing clothes right now I promise you I'm wearing clothes right now but I reckon uh, 50% of the time I spend in a hotel room is naked. Oh, how fucking good to just take your clothes off and walk around a bedroom slash bathroom. Do you know what I mean? And like you take them off and then it's like that's that's the situation for a good like an hour. I could go an hour and not even think about like I'm not wearing clothes. Do you know I mean? Or like just sitting in a chair. Just <laughs> Sitting naked in a chair. Oh, the thrill. And you, <laughs> and your fucking genitals are touching this chair. I wonder if everyone does that, actually. If everyone does that, imagine being the first person in history to get an STD from sitting naked on a chair. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, man, I'm loving this hotel room. I don't know the tease. That's not free, is it? I could call zero right now. Let me fucking do... Maybe I'll do... Should I do that on the on the phone? That'd be kind of fun. 
no, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm scared. <laughs> it's that like a weird, hey, excuse me, do these teas cost money? They're in a small, I'll do it later. I'm not going to make myself a tea now. I can't, I can't, no, oh, nah, do it. What are you fucking scared of, mate? Here we go. It's dialing. Hey, mate, I was just wondering how much the uh, tea is that's in the room. Oh, amazing. Thank you very much. Well, well, well. As it happens, everything in the room is complimentary. <laughs> Does that sound weird? You guys got to get a little insight into my, like, oh, having fun on the podcast, having fun on the podcast. Oh, very serious phone voice. Don't want to be disrespectful to the staff of the hotel for giving me such a lovely experience here. Everything in the room is complimentary. Fucking let me open this bally going water. Oh, what a rare joy. There's two. There's one on each side of the bed. Oh, that's actually so funny that everything's free because oh, I fucking got myself water out of the tap in the, <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, hotels are too good for me, I think. Oh, fuck yeah. A bit of water. So I'm in Belfast, <clears throat> I'm doing uh, The Empire tonight, really looking forward to that. So lovely, um, there was a huge cock up that I, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, where I was booked for the show and then two weeks out I, I messaged them to confirm and there was this whole thing about like, oh we're really sorry but we missed your booking and you're not booked anymore and I was furious and I... You know, I went round going like, "What? This is fucked up, right?" I was like talking to people, going, "I've booked my my stay in Belfast already," and uh, and they've just shifted this around. Just my plans were fucked, and um, I told that to the people who booked me. And then, like a week later, they went, oh, "Actually, we can get you back on the show," and I had to change my entire tack from being like, "Fuck these people!" I was livid. I was so angry. Even though in the messages I was cordial, because you got to be, but like outside of that, I was like, this is so unprofessional and I'm furious. And uh, and then they, they fucking managed to shift things around and get me the booking back. And now I'm overjoyed. And it turns out the people that run the Empire in Belfast, fucking really lovely people. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing there tonight. But I mean, what I really want to talk about in this podcast, I think, is uh, I'm meeting my biological father on Sunday that's what I've been thinking about more than anything (sighs) and I guess I kind of want to talk about like where do I even start I'm meeting him on Sunday that's been planned for a few months now forever like I've been telling people that I've been you know I'm that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna meet him I'm meeting him in September um, I was pitching that every day of the Edinburgh Fringe. I was pitching my show as like, oh, I'm, I'm half Colombian because uh, my mum got knocked up in South America when she was 22 and I'm meeting my biological father in September. I was saying that like, you know, like maybe fucking 50 times a day to people and repeating it that many times like has the effect of making it seem less kind of real, I think. You know, like it's just words at that point. I'm meeting my biological father in September. I'm meeting my biological father in September. I'm meeting my biological father. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm just not meeting him in September. Yeah, man. Just so I'm down in 
Fucking, he lives in Vienna. I know, Vienna. Isn't that crazy? All of these little, like, incredulous kind of, uh, like, a- m- me acting incredulous, I think, or, or being like, oh, no, like, oh, I'm as surprised as you are, is a way of emotionally distancing myself from it, I think. And uh, sometimes, with more regularity as it gets closer, people will ask me, oh, how do you feel about it? And I've just been saying, oh, I don't know, man, I feel all right. It's just a, I started to try and kind of process it more maybe at the start of this month. And uh, my initial kind of instinct was to think that, what do I think of it? I don't really think anything about it, you know? I just, it's just a thing that's happening. I've got a gig in Eindhoven on Friday and then on Sunday I'm flying to Vienna and I'm getting picked up by the man who had sex with my mum in 1990. And... And that's the joke I have in my set is like, this, he's not really my dad. He's just a guy who had sex with my mum 29 years ago and now we have the same nose is the joke that I've been saying. And, um, yeah, it, it didn't really become real to me. And I don't, until like, I was in Cork um, the other day. I was in Cork for the weekend for uh, City Limits Comedy Club. Friday and Saturday, lovely club, lovely show. Lovely club, lovely shows. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> that was really fun. Um, and uh, I was hanging out with these guys from Cork, Richie Shee. Um, Cork comedian was lovely enough to have me stay in his house. And on Friday night, uh, a bunch of his mates, and, and one of them being his brother, had me... Oh yeah, they they had me at their house, and so they all came round, and um, they had gone to see uh, Damien Rice, and they all took MDMA, and I did the show, you know, I did the show at the comedy club, and they all went and saw this guy play tunes, and then like kind of maybe like eight of them all came back to the house, and they were on MDMA, so I had some MDMA, and uh, then we just started smoking weed and and sitting around and chatting, and I got chatting to Richie's brother. I'm sorry, dude, I fucking can't remember your name. Um, he was a really nice guy and, uh, was kind of in, he's like a, a singer in, in, um, musical theater and he tours all over the world. Um, so we're kind of in the same world and we, I felt like we just understood each other a little bit. Maybe it was the MDMA. It (laughs) might've been something to do with the MDMA that I was feeling a level of kinship with this man that I'd never met before. But regardless, I uh, I started telling, you know, because we were just like, oh, who are you? Who are you? Let's meet. And uh, I told him what I've been telling everyone for the last fucking... For the last, like, you know, months, just offhandedly, oh, I'm, I'm meeting my biological father in... Uh, and I'd stopped saying September because it is September. And I so I just went, I'm meeting my biological father in the, 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 uh, nine days. And eight days, actually, because it was Saturday. So um, eight days. Fuck, it's five days now. It's Tuesday, Jesus Christ. And uh, he looked at me like, what? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm just I'm meeting this guy. And... Uh, I don't know whether it was the, like, if it was the drugs or the connection with this guy or maybe just the closeness to it and me realizing myself that I actually have to reckon with the feelings around this thing. But when he asked me, 
uh, how do you feel about it? I kind of started to say, I don't know. And I caught myself and I was like, no, dig a little deeper. And, and, and I think maybe he prompted me. Maybe he said something like, how do you feel like you're going into this? And I said, uh, pretty defensively, if I'm honest. And I knew that was, I knew that was a real bit of honesty there when I said that. And I was like, that's right. I am. I'm going into this kind of defensively. I think I've been, I just don't know what the fucking story is, man. Like, I've been writing every day in uh, a journal for the last few weeks because, I, like, I've found that my... I always keep journals, but I've found that it's becoming more and more over the last few weeks because I'm trying to sort out exactly how I feel about this and I don't want to let any emotions kind of slip by, you know? So I'm trying to chronicle everything. And, um, and I've... I've been trying to think, what's my reasons for going to see this guy? What do I want to get out of it, you know? I don't know. I don't know how to prepare. Like, every time I think, oh, that's a good way to prepare. Like, I, I, I had this idea, okay, maybe I'll think of some questions to ask him. And then I said that to this guy on Friday night. And he was like, questions? What are you t- You're not going to find any answers, man. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But questions also seem like a logical thing because you want to go in there with a plan or kind of have some idea of, you know, like, why am I going to meet this guy? Is it because I want answers? Um, What answers could I possibly want? I guess I'd like to know why, what the reason was that he couldn't come to Australia. I use the word abandoned because I don't know. I'm, like, do I feel, I don't know that I feel abandoned because I had a dad, but it's still, there's some niggling thing of like, of, of like, you know, my dad isn't my fucking biological dad. So as much as he was a dad to me, there's still a part of me that resides, that, that is from somewhere else, you know? Why did that part of me not show up in my life? I think I want to ask him that. But then he's not going to give me any, you know, he'll just, like, like that's fine for me because that kind of bears some significance to me. But if you asked me, I mean, I, I, like, I don't even remember fucking 10 years ago. If you went, uh, why did your relationship from 10 years ago not pan out? You know, like, <laughs> fucking hell, mate. I don't know. Because I was young and I just was, like, making some bad decisions or whatever. Like, he's not going to be placing... As much as he's still aware of the fact that he has a son, and I'm sure that's important to him, it's not his whole life. My... The the event in significance, to me, it's like something that's cast a shadow over my whole life. And invariably for him, it won't have done because he lived for however, like 25 years or whatever before it happened to him. So for him, it's still just something that maybe it's cast a shadow over the rest of his life but it's still not his whole life. Does that make sense? Like mathematically, it can't be as important an event to him as it is to me. And so there's no way that he's going to be able to go, oh man, look, I've been thinking about this for a long time and and here's the role. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Maybe he will have an answer for me. I don't think he fucking will. Or any answer that he has is not going to be fulfilling to me, you know? when I met this, I met this chick in Perth, um, I think I spoke about it when it happened, like, at the start of this year, 
and uh, we matched on Tinder, but we just started talking. We pretty much just like from the get go was speaking like as friends and um, oh, that's right. She came and saw my show and uh, she had seen me at a spot. So she'd heard me do my jokes about being half Colombian, cocaine baby, blah, 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 blah. And uh, when we spoke on Tinder, she was like, dude, I, uh, I have like a similar story to you. And, and she told me about how she'd never met her biological father until later in life, until she was like into her twenties or so. And she said, I remember her saying when she met him, it felt like a piece of her finally slotted into place. Now, I don't know if that's, I'd, I really don't know if I expect that. It's all well and good for me to say that I don't expect it. But if I'm honest with myself, I'm not sure. Do I expect that? I can't say that I do, but I can't say that I don't with any certainty. I just don't have no... I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. I wonder if I'm going to cry. That's my main question. Am I, when I see this dude, am I going to cry? <laughs> When's the last time I cried genuinely at something to do with my life? I think it was when my parents sold the house when I was in the UK in 2000 and the end of 2015 and my mum told me that they'd sold the house that I grew up in. I cried then, like, really properly. Not just, like, from a movie or whatever, you know? Oh, no, I cried in 2017 when I went to Edinburgh and then, and, and realised that the girl... <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Why am I fucking rehashing these... <laughs> I started listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah, what's it about? Uh, this week's episode was just this guy <laughs> trying to remember all the times in his life that he's cried. <laughs> Fucking hell. Get some therapy, cunt. <laughs> oh, man, I've been reading up on therapy. Um... Uh, I'll talk, yeah, I'll fucking talk about this and then I'll do more of this fucking dad shit. I found this website, uh, called, uh, goodtherapy.org and they have all of these, um, so they've got like explanations of therapy concepts and shit. And then one of the things is, is called askgoodtherapy.com, uh, where people write in with their fucking questions and ask the website, and there's a staff of, like, you know, registered therapists and shit on hand to give them advice, and uh, some of the questions are really serious, some of them are, br I'm addicted to it, man, it's not even, honestly, I'm not reading it to laugh at this, normally I would read something like this and go, look at these losers, but the way that they pick the questions, they pick people that actually have really good questions, and so some of them are, I'll read, the, I'm on page three, I've read every single one so far, here are the ones here. Help, I'm already forgetting words. That was someone who's 32 and they're forgetting words. Am I a sociopath? That's someone who did a Facebook quiz <laughs> and and that said they're an 80% sociopath. So they wrote into a fucking therapy website about it. What a loser. Um, uh, here are some ones that I've read. Uh, oh, where's page two? Ooh, do, my, do midlife crises end? That was a guy who broke up his marriage to start dating someone like 30 years younger than him, and then he was wondering about that. Why can't I cry? That's one. My ex-husband is suing me. My kids don't want anything to do with me. Why can't I cry? That one's pretty wild. 
How do I fix... Tr- oh, this one was sick, actually. Let me read the last paragraph of this. How do I fix trust issues after being caught cheating? And this is basically a guy writing in uh, saying that he, he got caught cheating and, and now his, his uh, girlfriend doesn't trust him. And uh, this is the last paragraph. This is fucking crazy. She is taking some time to think about things and she doesn't want me to call or text her until she figures out what she wants to do. I'm giving her space. I'm giving her the space she asked for. I'm just hoping that when we talk again, I can reassure her that I can be trusted. I want to make things right. I know that I know I would never make a mistake like that again, but fixing her trust issues feels impossible. Help, I'll do anything. I know I would never make a mistake like that again, but fixing her trust issues feels impossible. This guy cheated on his girlfriend and now he's saying <laughs> that she's the one with trust issues. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Some people have got some fucking problems. Um, I went on this to because to, I want to get some therapy, actually. And uh, I just went on to do some research. And you know what? Really fucking helpful. I can't... Oh, man. So much good advice in there. When I get back to Melbourne, I'm going to uh, contact a bunch of different therapists and uh, just get on the phone with them for a few minutes and talk and see who I have a rapport with. And then from there, go in and, and you know, start fucking doing it. That's very exciting. <sighs> um, yeah, so Friday night, I was talking to this guy, I was talking about Fernando and... Uh, I don't know how we got onto it. Then he just, it just it spiraled out of control, man. I don't know. Now that looking back on it, actually, I think that was the moment that made me take it a bit more seriously and and be like, I don't I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. Because then after that, we started talking about like <laughs> he started talking about like 1916 and Irish independence and the fucking war and and like hating the British and they really fucking hate the British down there, man. They fucking hate the British, like properly. He told me um, this thing. I didn't know this. Uh, and this is a story uh, that I... Like, grain of salt. Do you know what I mean? I, don't, I haven't looked, at, looked up and, like, verified this in any history books. But, um, actually, before I tell this story, this is the point of this story. I can totally see how smoking weed makes you fucking paranoid. I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's like the weed. I don't know if it's a silly feeling or what. When I was smoking weed with those guys, I wanted to believe all of it. Like, okay, he told me this story about how in the Second World War, when um, the British were defending against the Germans and, and they were defending the the island of Britain, um, apparently Winston Churchill, the Australian fleet were all up there and uh, and then Australia was being attacked from the north by Japan and they were bombing Darwin. It was when they were bombing Darwin. And the Australian Navy all said, we're going to go back to Australia and defend Australia. And Winston Churchill was like, no, you're not. You're staying here to defend Britain. And uh, the Australian Navy were like, well, fucking, that's where all our families are. Our families are in Australia. We're going back to defend Australia. And apparently Winston Churchill said, if you do that... Uh, the uh, the British fleet will fire on any Australian ships that try and leave to go back to Australia. And apparently under cover of darkness with no lights whatsoever, the entire Australian naval fleet um, left and, and fucking went back to defend Australia. Isn't that insane? 
and apparently like Winston Churchill's boats fired on one of them or I don't fucking know that sounds awful I mean it's awful isn't it you won't let people defend your families because of the this is their point was like the arrogance of the British and and that's what still exists today and that's how they look at Irish people like apparently the the famine in Ireland Britain were exporting food from Ireland and and starving the Irish people because they don't see them as people and it all sounds very awful and I don't know I struggle to care about it until I smoke weed and uh, or until that night I was I think it was because I was smoking weed and I was like you know what I do care about this stuff I was like maybe I need to change my whole life maybe I need to fucking start fighting a revolution you know (coughs) I guess that's what people say like once you start spotting some bullshit you start spotting all of it man you start fucking seeing that the world order has always been like that. There's always been people trying to kick us out from the, from, you know, like disrupt our lives for their own power. And they're like, oh, ugh, I don't care. I'm just trying to meet my dad and ask him, ask him why he abandoned me. Not my dad, my biological dad, Fernando. That's a weird thing that I'm still trying to get a handle on. I think meeting him might maybe make that a bit more real. <clears throat> talk about like defining roles in my life you know because I've got my dad and that's my dad Derek Australian dad lives in Australia and then I've got this guy Fernando who's my biological dad but even on a just a fucking verbal level like that's too long to say I'm not going to call him my biological dad I guess I call him Fernando but then that doesn't have the same significance to people when I tell them that story you know on my biological dad, like, so, I don't know, am I have to gonna, am I gonna have to explain my fucking history to people every time I tell a story about this person, you know? Because I want things to be clear, like, if I meet someone and I tell them that I'm gonna go and visit this guy, or I did visit this guy, or whatever, like, I want to be clear about what I'm doing, but I also just don't have to repeat the same words every time, you know, tell the story and my mum went to South America. I think that's why, I've been talking about this in in my set as well, I think that's why I kind of chose when I was in my teens to, to go with the nickname Taco because it makes a quicker conversation rather than wait for people to ask me whatever, like, you know, why is your skin brown and then talk about that. If I just go by the nickname Taco, then that gives them something to go, oh, what's that about? And I go, oh, well, because I'm half Colombian because this thing. And it just cuts the conversation short rather than having to fucking have a 10-minute thing where they build up the courage to go, oh, you, I, uh, was, uh, oh, what's going on there? Like, are you blah, blah, blah. Instead of that, I just go, Taco, oh, South American. Yeah, biological dad, mum was over there, never met him. It gets tiring telling people the same stories all the time, you know? And I think that's what I want to figure out what the quickest way is to give people all the information about this thing with Fernando. Or it's even just confusing for me. Like, I don't know whether... I don't want to call him dad. Ah, that was another thing that I talked about with this guy. Because I never decided to go and see him while my parents were together. And it wasn't until... I was, uh, it wasn't until my parents split up that I made the decision to go or to, to like tell mum, let's, let's find this guy, you know? And, um, 
I was talking to him and I was like, oh, is that maybe because when my parents split up, I felt like, oh, I don't have a dad anymore because my mum's not with a guy. So let me try and find another dad to replace him. Is it that or is it that I, there was like feelings of guilt because I, because I, I don't want my dad to think that I'm trying to replace him. Because I don't know that, I don't think I am. I mean, this is a deeper question. What is a father's role in his child's life after they become an adult? Ooh, that's a very tricky question, isn't it? Because, like, I feel like my mum still has a role. That's kind of a trope with guys, isn't it? That their mum is always their mum because they're all like a because of we're wading into into very uh, strange territory here it's almost like the woman is seen as the caregiver you know in society and so a single guy is still kind of cared for by his mum until he finds a female partner and then she cares for him and that's the handover I mean, I don't even know if I agree with that, but that's the traditional conception of the roles, right? But what is a father's role in his son's life after he becomes independent? Could I even replace my dad? Does my dad have a role? Or is he just supposed to be like a friend now? Uh, Fuck, man. Lots of questions. And like, (laughs) really fucking... I don't know if this is even something that I need to be talking about on a podcast or if this is just shit that I should ask myself. Is it, or is this, okay, okay, this is what I was about to say. Is this something that I should be talking to about with a therapist? Well, yes, it is. What is a therapist? A therapist, as far as I'm aware, and this is what I've learned from this site, is someone who, with whom your relationship is entirely one-sided. You pay them money and they're completely, they're, your relationship is solely founded around your well-being. They're not getting anything out of it except money. But you're, they're, they're getting nothing in terms of the relationship out of it. They're just there to give to you and support you and help you. And is that why I don't feel comfortable talking about this on, for example, a podcast? What's the relationship of a father in my life? Is that because I think that I'm asking too much of people by even mentioning that? I feel like guilty talking about that or gross or whatever it is talking about it because I know that's so much to ask of someone to listen to me talk about that. Is that why I'm hesitant to talk about it right now? Because I am hesitant to talk about it right now and it's like, why should I be fucking hesitant? We're all supposed to be open, aren't we? Isn't that what everyone's always saying? Be open, be honest with your feelings, share things with your friends because they want to support you and you want to support them. But then I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to burden other people with that conversation about my life. (sighs) I don't fucking know, man. I'm meeting my biological dad. I'm meeting my biological father on Sunday (laughs) at 3 p.m., in whatever time zone they have in Austria. I think that's where my flight lands. Um, and I'm meeting my my half-brother as well. I'm really excited to meet that dude. We had a chat. And uh, he was talking to me about how surreal it is. Like it doesn't really feel 
feel real or like it's happening. I don't know. I think I'm going into this the right way. I've been talking to a lot of people about it. And over the past week, the conversations have become more and more kind of honest and and serious. And I think I'm dealing with it um, and giving it the correct weight that I should be giving it. I don't know, man. Tumultuous is a good word for right now. And I guess I'll talk to you guys in a week and I'll, I'll fucking tell you all how it went. <sighs> I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to play a song at the end of this that I was walking around in Dublin the other day. The song is, the song is Nocturne number 13 in C minor uh, by Frederick Chopin. It's uh, Opus 48 number one played by Vladimir Feltzman. Uh, I've been listening to a bunch of these Chopin nocturnes. They're just really nice. It's like moody piano music. And uh, I was walking around Dublin when I got back from Cork. Uh, when was that? Sunday. Got the bus back from Cork. And, and um, I think maybe as well I was uh, coming down um, from the MDMA. So I was feeling pretty moody. And I was just walking through Dublin on the way to a show that got cancelled. But nevertheless... Um, and it was kind of rainy and I just had this on and I just was thinking about like the day, it's a huge day. I, oh, it's, it's just, it's going to be a big day. Sunday's going to be a big day. I was walking around, I was thinking about it and I was listening to this song. It seemed fitting. Anyway, that's been the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next week. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Bye. Thank you.